0: Previously on Myth, Tarot, Love, we examined the Knight of Wands and Orpheus. Today's show will focus on the Queen of Wands and Cleopatra.
1: Myth and tarot, where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, wands, and symbols, and all of the above.
0: to Myth, Tarot, Love, a show about ancient stories and new age wisdom.
1: I am Biddy, your resident classicist. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. We are talking about uh, ladies that mm. are near and dear to our heart today. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, well, the lady that's near to my heart is the Queen of Wands, also Biddy. Aw. <laughs> She's also physically near to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the Queen of Wands, like way back when I first got my fir- when my mother first gave me my first tarot deck when I was 13 years old, um, I was reading about the archetypes and the Queen of Wands was someone that just struck me as, that's who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> She's your role model. Yeah, exactly. So the Queen of Wands is super dear to my heart, um, so I'm excited to share her with you all and you know it doesn't mean she's not without flaws she's not mm-hmm. perfect mm-hmm. but who wants to be perfect anyways am i right yep <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and we're also talking about uh a long awaited lady oh my gosh
0: so much i'm like you're like saying this and i'm like wiggling because i'm like so excited to talk about <laughs> cleopatra i've been wanting to talk about her for so long, since like January, <laughs> I don't but know. she is
1: very queens of wands. Like she
0: is so queens <laughs> of wands, exactly. I so I um was ta t- a teaching assistant for. An entire course on Cleopatra this <laughs> just, past winter, just Cleopatra, just Cleopatra, <laughs> and so I want to talk about her so bad, but I knew that she
1: would fit with the Queen of Wands, so I had yeah. to be patient, <laughs> and wait, and I had to wait, <laughs> and then we're gonna try and fit it all in this one episode yeah, for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's happening. It's just it's, it might be long. Yeah, it might be longer. We'll we'll just see how it goes, yeah. and you know.
0: Whatever, we can fangirl over a card and yeah.
1: over a person. Exactly, well. exactly. That's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. We're here to share our passions with all of you yep. lovely listeners. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes. <laughs> um, so let's start by describing the card. Um, so if you remember it, with the page and the night, we were in uh, the desert. In the knight of Wands, we actually like went to Egypt and with the Queen of Wands, you can still see those uh, pyramids, or I'm not entirely sure if they're pyramids anymore. They they, they still kind of look like... They, they could tri- pass. They're triangular. They could pass as pyramids. There's still three mountainous, like, images, mm-hmm. but they could also just be sa- sand, sand... Like, dunes mountains. or something? Yeah, sand yeah. dunes of some sort. Um, okay, but so there's... So we still know we're in the same kind of hot, tepid area, right? Um, And then what's really interesting is how much growth is being brought by the Queen of Wands. She holds in her left hand a sunflower, and she holds in her right hand the staff of the wands. And if you remember, sunflowers were very much um, prominent in the sun card, which had a lot to do with this idea of enlightenment and creativity and um, lots of energy. We also have uh, lions appearing behind her, and uh, her throne is pretty much made of lions and sunflowers, right? And lions, as you know, were uh, very much prominent symbols of the card of strength. And then sitting at her feet, there is a black cat. Um, and And the black cat actually has kind of this um, intuition type of uh, feel to it and I very much think that the black cat uh, is a is, is kind of you know calling forth the high priestess as well so we have these very powerful imagery uh, coming forth we have um, the strength card which is about overcoming your um, overcoming your inner demons and being able to overcome any challenge we have uh, the enlightenment uh, that was promised in the Sun card, um, as well as joy and uh, just a love of life, um, and then we have the Queen of Wands herself, who is sitting amidst all of this. She has a pure blue blue sky behind her, not a cloud in the sky. She's very she's very present, and um, on her face you can see that she has she's she's not exactly smiling, and she's not exactly sad she's just very tranquil like she's very at peace and um and she's wearing uh mostly yellow which once again is uh a lot of this energy it's a very energetic color um it's the color of the the solar plexus in uh as a chakra which uh is, is of course um the chakra of getting getting things done <laughs> if you will so it's the chakra of, of willpower and of manifestation and the queen of wands is all of these things um she is a charismatic woman who knows what's going on she knows what's mm-hmm. going on she's very practical very down to earth um and she's also she she loves to get involved um so she's she's creative she's intelligent and she's always at the center of attention pretty much she has lots of friends even though she's independent um, she tends to lead by example rather than um, telling people what to do people tend to just flock to her instead and uh, you know want to be like her um, yeah I've, I mentioned she's charismatic she has she's witty she she has a lot of fire and un- under her and she's also got this like water watery aspect of her intuition and they combine to cancel each other out (laughs) in kind of an interesting way so in some ways she's actually even though she is the queen of a fire suit she's very airy Um, she has a lot of humor and wit and um, and she she tends to be someone that people go to for advice as well Uh, let's see gotta look through my notes oh yes did I mention she's also incredibly sexy? <laughs> she's incredibly sexy, but not because necessarily because of her appearance. So not necessarily the way the Queen of Cups was, who was just beauty personified, right? The Queen of Wands, instead, um, is actually very masculine. Um, and I, I I'm talking about this in kind of a traditional tarot archetypes way, right? But she has a lot of these masculine qualities of... Uh, of pure willpower and getting things done, and um, and what's interesting is that this is part of her charm as well. Is that um, qualities that would traditionally uh, be considered more masculine are actually um, you know taken over by this feminine energy, and it makes her very attractive to others. And she's very capable of handling herself and doing things her way. Um however, doing things her way is both her strength and her drawback. So sometimes the Queen of Wands might appear to you as a obstacle. And when she, when this happens, it means that she uh, her stubbornness is coming mm-hmm. through and the stubbornness might actually be uh, something that's holding you back a little bit. So the Queen of Wands um, is so stubborn and is so um, driven in her goals, that she can easily burn herself out. Mm. Um, And this card has appeared to me many times (laughs) when I've been in a situation where I am burning myself out a little bit by trying to do too much. Yeah, Yeah, and I think we can all relate to that. (laughs) Where we just want to do it all and we want to, you know... We don't we don't want to believe that we have limitations and we are just we, we believe ourselves to be invincible and everyone else thinks we're invincible. And one thing leads to another and you are just, you know, burnt out yep. <laughs> completely. <laughs> um, so the Queen of Wands, if she appears to you as an obstacle, it might be a warning that this is something that's happening. Um, so or could it just be what's happening, even if it doesn't appear as an obstacle, just as like a reminder? Yeah, a lot of times it goes hand in hand that when you have this this quality about you, um, where you just want to get everything done, or maybe you're in that mood where you're just wanting to get everything done. A lot of times, if you are on this one-track mind and stubbornness, it can go hand in hand with um, getting ahead of yourself. You know, letting your and 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 forgetting to look after yourself Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, The Queen of Wands is often. Uh, looking after others before herself and um she often gets involved in a lot of other people's business and sometimes she she believes that problems will just be done faster if she just solves them herself for them and that can actually cause more problems uh and i think we all know someone like that in our life who just like keeps getting involved and you're like and no let let it go <laughs> you know, I I want to do this myself kind of thing I don't know she's kind of she's very motherly if you know um, so she has that kind of quality of uh, just wanting to take over sometimes and um, you know that's not necessarily the best thing for everyone even though she just wants to help uh, so the personality type that I associate the most with the queen of wands is the ESFJ personality type who is sometimes called the consul. And when I mentioned that to Biddy, she I started laughing. <laughs> she got, yeah, she started laughing because apparently the consul has uh, a meaning in ancient Rome.
0: Yeah, so there was basically the highest position that someone could get politically during the Republic. It'd be consul for, well, it would be a couple of them, but that's, yeah, like the yeah. highest form. So I just thought it was funny because I'm going to be talking. About Cleopatra today and that's like <laughs> her personality.
1: <laughs> that's cool. Which makes sense. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot they have a lot of strengths. Uh they tend to be very popular people. Uh ESFJ, of course, are extroverted. They're sensing as opposed to intuitive, they're feeling as opposed to thinking and judging as opposed to perceiving. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not also intuitive and thinking, etc. etc. It just means that they have those cognitive functions as their preference over the other ones um so what happens what does that mean when you are an esfj personality um you are strong and you have strong practical skills you know how to get shit done um (laughs) which is one of the reasons why you want to get shit done (laughs) because you know how to do it and you also have these very good people skills where you're able to um go into any situation and help anyone pretty much right because you're you're going in you can see what it is they need and you have the practical know-how to get it done um you have a strong sense of duty so you have this great sense of responsibility and like you need to meet these obligations Uh, you are also feeling very very loyal um and you are sensitive and warm and you're great at connecting with other people of course uh, some of these strengths come with their own weaknesses attached um, you know one of the one of the effects of being so well connected with other people and wanting to help all the time is you get worried about your social status um, so ESFJs tend to worry a lot more than other personalities about their social standing um, they can be very inf- inflexible as well because of that stubbornness that's coming through and they're like, no, I know how to get things done. I know the right way to do things. This is the way, this is, this is the best way. Why won't you just let me help you? <laughs> right? Um, they can also be reluctant to innovate or improvise. Um, so, you know, this, this comes from this idea that they, they don't like necessarily going too far out of their comfort zones uh, because, they're kind of afraid of appearing different, so this kind of ties in with a bit of the social status fear. Um, they can be very vulnerable to criticism as well, so me mentioning their weaknesses probably isn't helping. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they can also be a little needy, so they need to have um, they need to have positive reinforcement. So they they once again they care a lot about what other people think about them. So uh, when other people don't necessarily um, give them compliments or you know tell them that they're, what they're doing is okay they can start getting anxious about it and uh, they really need that reassurance in order to feel valued
0: mm. Our,
1: another thing is they can also be too selfless um, so similar to the queen of wands they can burn themselves out and not ne- and stop thinking about themselves and uh, they can get a little bit overwhelmed that way
0: self-care
1: self-care it's not something to scoff at you you need to you need to put on your own oxygen mask before you put on the mask (laughs) of the one next to you because if you can't breathe and you're passed out you can't help anybody yeah so i i see that as a metaphor for life (laughs) if you are passed out then you can't help anybody that's why you need to look after yourself first Mm -hmm. always definitely Anyways, uh, so Cleopatra. Yeah,
0: so actually before I start talking about her, as you were describing the Queen of Wands card, it um, because I didn't look at it before we started, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) Um, But as we were looking at it, I realized how much her in this throne and the throne itself with the lions on either side is very reminiscent of a... um, the seated woman of Chattel So Chattel was this Neolithic site and they found a couple um, that they call mother goddess or woman figures there. And there is one in particular where this uh, woman is seated and she has two
1: lions lions on either side of her or
0: some sort of cat like creature on either side. Exactly. And it's definitely representative of that power and that, kind of veracity and i don't know it just made me
1: think of that that's so cool Mm -hmm. actually um now that i'm like focusing on that part of the card a little bit more i realized that um the queen of wands is sitting with her like even though she's robed she's sitting with her knees wide open yeah and it's kind of like saying like here's my female power (laughs) right here (laughs) well in this
0: um in this figure Mm -hmm. this little figurine she's apparently giving birth I can't really say for certain based off of the images that I've seen. Like, mm. there is something between her legs. Is it a child? I can't really say. Yeah. But that is interesting that you also noted with the Queen of Wands that, that she's her she... legs are kind of
1: spread and... It's interesting that she is portrayed this way as such a classic female power symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in, in many ways, the Queen of Wands kind of combines a lot of the ideals of the other queens. Um not to say that like you know maybe i'm a little biased because i'm i'm such a fangirl of the queen of wands but <laughs> i do love all of the queens i think all of their power is super amazing but there's a, there's little bits of some of the other queens in the queen of wands as well mm, like there's yeah. there she has a bit of that uh, queen of pentacles getting shit done aspect to her she also has that charm from as the of the queen of cups um, and she, but at the same time, she has that tactical know-how like the Queen of Swords. So mm-hmm. it's just there's a it's interesting that she is such a strong reminiscent of such a strong female symbol uh, from the statue as well. Definitely. Yeah. And I
0: feel the same way with Cleopatra. Like, I think I felt mm-hmm. like she could have worked for some of the other queens, but it really does encompass the Queen of Wands encompasses more of her and her personality, or what I think of her personality. I remember you to you be. asking
1: her about Cleopatra for all the other queens, <laughs> and I was like. Ah, oh, the more you describe her, the more she sounds like the Queen of Wands. I'm like, Fine, I'll wait, I'll do it. But now I get to do it, so please bear with me. <laughs> there am... is this massive note right now that she's holding in her hand. There is no white space on this, pe- on this, on these pages, um, and
0: it's because I really want to do her justice, and yeah. I feel as though so much shit has been put on her and about her that isn't true or is just because of propaganda. Well, and she's so, often portrayed as this like sexy woman. And right? y- you can't see cuz of all this <laughs> writing. I literally I do not have the word sexy or sensual on this page whatsoever. That's crazy. So, I will I might end up thunderbidding <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe at the
0: end. I about should, that.
1: I'll, I'll get the we'll I'll see. get the uh, sound effect ready. <laughs>
0: it's been a while, but we'll see. I'll, I'm going to try to do this and I'm going to try to do this more from a historical perspective and oh I meant to okay I'll do that before before we go but I want to give you guys some resources and some books that if you do want to learn more about her and read more about her you can do that okay so Cleopatra and she is actually Cleopatra the seventh there were six before her she was that's crazy I didn't know that Mm-hmm. um she was born in about 70 or 69 BCE and lived until 30 um, BCE so about 40 years and she was known as Thea Philippator so goddess of um, father's glory so Ooh. yeah oh my <laughs> like, goddess her of, fa- of her father's glory yeah we we'll have to give her her full title here um, unfortunately we don't know exactly who her mother was um, there are kind of rumors but nothing is settled um, normally it's
1: the opposite Normally, you can pretty much tell who the mother is.
0: <laughs> yes. It's
1: pretty easy to know unless who the mother is. Unless
0: it's not important enough to write down. Oh. Uh, which is the case There's in this the rub instance. of history. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So her father was um, a pharaoh and a king. So mm-hmm. that's why we have um, his information. And he was a Ptolemy. He was Ptolemy the Twelfth. Um, but yeah, so his, her mother was either an Egyptian or a Macedonian. We don't really know. Um, we do know that she was actually the first in her family to speak Egyptian, which is pretty good considering they're in Egypt.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs>
0: yeah, they would just speak Greek um, because they were, again, of Macedonian descent. Um, We hear about her from Roman authors who were very biased and definitely had an agenda to paint her in a certain light, which was bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So authors we hear from her are from Plutarch, Appian, and Diocasius. Plutarch is interesting because that's where we get a lot of like the fanciful stories of her. And it's, yeah, (laughs) it's not necessarily all based on fact. So it's, you have to be wary when you're reading anything of Plutarch. Um, so, like I said, she lived in Alexandria, which was founded by Alexander the Great, right? Which we talked about in a previous episode. And she studied at the Library of Alexandria, and she was very learned, and she knew many languages. Um, that I had mentioned she knows Egyptian. She also knew Latin and Aramaic, Nubian, Greek. She knew so many. Um, which is important because this means that she would be able to communicate with foreign dignitar- dignitaries herself. She didn't need to have an interpreter or anyone else say anything for her she could actually speak
1: yeah and she had a queen's education.
0: even more so that's yeah. what I'm saying like more she was than highly any, educated woman more than any other past queens or sometimes even I don't know if even the kings would have like put had, that much, had that much effort put put that much effort into it um the the palace was also right next to the library which also helps and she yeah. studied science and te- technology and so many things so yay that's <laughs> fantastic um so like i said she was part of the te- Pal- bleh, bleh, ptolemaic <laughs> dynasty which had many colorful characters and they were also <laughs> known for intermarrying um but a lot of this was not a marriage of love mm-hmm. um she, she also ends up doing this with um, her younger brothers. But again, these are more for show. Um, in her case, because they don't have children. Not necessarily in past cases. They did have children. Have children.
1: Yeah. But she didn't have any children with her brothers. No, No. she did not. Um, Cultural understanding. It makes a difference. <laughs> it does. And yeah. I mean,
0: for them, it was more that they always... Also needed to have a queen and a king, both a male and a female represented. Represented, yeah. Um, in that power. was that
1: was really important to them that they had mm-hmm. both male and female representations. Yeah,
0: and um, part of that too is with the pharaoh. You know, a pharaoh personified vitality and the success of Egypt. So they wanted to kind of put on this face not only for their citizens but other people too to show yeah. that they are, even though she was the
1: one that was ruling more more so
0: Mm -hmm. i just mean in general pharaohs in general um she was definitely ruling more um which i will yeah get to so her she had a younger sister arsinoe and two younger brothers ptolemy the 13th um who she was married to upon the death of her father ptolemy the 12th um at this time he was 11 years old and i believe she was about 18 19 so a bit of a age gap there and she had another brother as well who was even younger Um, her father had many dealings with Rome, um, in the past, which is why it was not unusual for Cleopatra to go to Caesar for help dethroning her brother or like not, maybe not dethroning, but in the issue that she had, um, she knew that she could go to Rome and yeah, that they could be helpful. Um, but before that she was acting as regent because her brother, like I said, was 11. Um, she had to... She, she was the one in charge. We actually have carvings, um, of just her name of, you know, of setting things up and doing things. And she was definitely acting on her own despite obviously having to have a king in name. Yeah. But she
1: was the one making decisions. Yeah. Um, So like her names are on all the decrees etc. Yeah. So we know that she was the one that was essentially ruling even though there was a pharaoh. Exactly. So she didn't take her brother seriously (laughs) but unfortunately his
0: staff began to plot against her so mm-hmm. in 49 bc cleopatra and her sister were actually sent to upper egypt and as an ex like a form of internal exile so they had to leave alexandria about a year later she escapes to syria where she hired mercenaries and began a civil war against her brother wow so <laughs> yep. Yeah, all on her own pretty amazing well that
1: marriage didn't work out
0: that nope <laughs> so it was at this point that caesar actually came to egypt so this then this is before um, he was there um, because he had been chasing pompey um, and whom ta- her brother actually killed because they didn't want to piss caesar off <laughs> they mm-hmm. knew how powerful he was so we're like oh let's kill pompey and he'll be happy um so caesar sets up his headquarters at alexandria in the palace and this is when cleopatra arrives for a secret meeting with caesar um, ooh la la. Ooh la la. But keep in mind, <laughs> she is 21 and he is 52. Oh. And married. <laughs> oh, oh my. Yes. Um, this is That's where we very- get one of those first fanciful stories from Plutarch. And if you'd like to to read it, it's Caesar, uh, The Life of Caesar uh, 49. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see her being smuggled into the palace in either a sack or in like a rolled up carpet. <laughs> it's very... <laughs> She didn't want anyone to see her coming, and then they kind of reveal her, and then he's oh falls in love or blah 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 whatever. Not really, <laughs> even though he's met her before. <laughs> um, possibly. Oh, possibly so it's not, once, it's but not she would have sure. been much younger. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. So Cleopatra, or sorry, Caesar decides that Cleopatra and Ptolemy will rule together, and Caesar allies himself with Cleopatra. So he kind of tries to fix their relationship, but their shit hits the fan there's a civil war and within it ptolemy dies in battle mm. and arsinoe their other sister was captured and actually would walk in caesar's triumph at rome uh,
1: a couple of years later as like a captive so oh not good mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what that means walk in triumph no um, I, don't, I don't i don't think i've heard that saying I I, I just heard you say it, so I was like... Oh,
0: sorry. She walked in his triumph. So if you remember, uh, triumph is when there has been a war and they've won. And so they come back to rome and they kind of go through this they walk through the streets with all the spoils and they erect arches and that sort of thing oh okay so was that's a long what, time ago so she was one of
1: the, so she was one of the ones that had to walk in that
0: yeah so she was okay. one of like the spoils of um, so it's kind of like a war. it's kind of like a victory parade exactly and it's like yeah. look what i just defeated and won this person okay so yeah it's not in a good it's, it's not shame- a good it's thing it's shameful it's very, a shameful very very shameful yeah very very shameful yeah um in January of 47, Cleopatra um, is then the, become, not becomes, she's still the queen, but with Ptolemy the 14th, mm-hmm. their last brother, who is 12 years old. Oh, great. So even younger. Um, and she would have been 22 at the time. Because the age gap before worked out. Yep. So this one, even more. Um, so she's 22, but she is also four months pregnant.
1: Oh. Mm hmm. But who's the father? Mr. Caesar. Oh, my. Is what she says. He
0: never. Um, Validates it, at least not mm-hmm. in Rome, to say yes, he is yes or mine, no. but yeah. totally his. Uh, she, <laughs> she names him Caesarion, like, <laughs> is his. <laughs> so after this, Caesar and Cleopatra go on an extravagant cruise down the Nile. They spend a lot of time, um, but eventually he does leave um, because there is still civil wars going on. Um, back home in rome mm-hmm. so she does go to visit him a couple of years later with their son and they actually stay in his villa uh but keep in mind again he is still married <laughs> at this time
1: mm-hmm.
0: um not a good spot and she's actually in rome when he dies and she's he's a
1: lot older than her
0: well no remember caesar gets stabbed oh by brutus and... yes yeah i totally forgot
1: yeah, <laughs> I totally forgot that Caesar was betrayed to- terribly. Terribly, a ait- two Brutus, a two, yeah, yes. yeah,
0: the Ides of March, and all this jazz. It's been a long day. It's okay. No, no, no. <laughs> totally fine. I, I get it. People are also like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, slow down. Um. <laughs> so anyways, he dies. He's betrayed by people that were close to him um and so she eventually does flee some people think that she is pregnant again because mm-hmm. she is there for so long and takes so long to leave um but then she doesn't have another child so either she was pregnant and she miscarried or there was something else going on yeah. again unfortunately we don't have any writings from her we and most of the stuff we for such harder, a learned for so. such a
1: learned woman if she'd only written a diary uh yeah <laughs> or if she did if only they kept it yeah maybe they wouldn't you have kept, kept such a thing yeah.
0: Um, so she leaves as soon as she can. Um, there was also a previous famine. That's why she wanted to go back. Um, which she helped to get everyone through with the royal grain stores. And now mm. she was. This was before, but now she's you know helping to rebuild her country and strengthen it. Um, so she was a really good queen.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Very
0: very good queen. Very. She proactive. helped her people
1: through famine. She. She mm-hmm.
0: ha- helped them rebuild. She helped them rebuild, and when she went back, she actually ordered the construction of a shrine or temple to Caesar. Um, I like that she didn't just
1: go down in history because of you know scandal. I like that she was actually well, like she went down in history because scandal with Caesar of all people, right? They're and like, Mark Anthony and Mark Anthony. We're getting there. It's like oh, sorry, it's like, weird. like it's all all Too these big, famous yeah. people together. You know it's like the celebrity scandals of the of the age Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am purposely not talking about again her
0: her looks and her this and her that and actually I wanted to say kind of at the beginning and I forgot you to kind of suspend everything that you've heard about or thought about her because Mm -hmm. everything is again so coded and just so hyped up yeah just slander and just just bad anyways Mm so she erected the shrine to caesar and now it is now that she has her brother ptolemy the 14th remember the young guy she has him executed (laughs) she's like i'm done with you this is it so she becomes a sole ruler since her son um is only four years old so he is kind of quote unquote pharaoh but like he's a child so she is ruling she's ruling for him yeah essentially um so fast forward a few years later um there's still trouble going on at rome for a while mark Antony calls for cleopatra's aid um, because she has an army and ships and resources um we get this also this glorious scene again of decadence and luxury um where you know she comes to meet him and they feast (laughs) for days and
1: all this stuff and they feast for days oh yeah um, Feast, hint, hint. Oh no, I meant that. No, <laughs> I actually meant food. <laughs> I, know, I know, but eventually
0: that too. Yeah, that's the next line. Um, and they, they, and a political agreement um, is made they also ended up liking each other and in 40 BC their twins Alexander Helios and Cleopatra Selene are born.
1: Oh my. So
0: Helios and Selene are the sun and moon in the Greek gods. That's we adorable. Remember, so
1: they have twins cute. and they, they name them sun and moon. Mhm. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's so cute. <laughs> yep. Um, And it's a boy and a girl?
0: A boy and a girl. Oh my gosh. Yep.
1: That's adorable.
0: Um, Various battles. This is... I'm sorry for this one. Various battles and political things ensue. So much happens that I do not have, obviously, time to go into right now. Um, But the important thing is that, again, Cleopatra, we see her making deals and making decisions. She is very much an active participant in Mm -hmm. her life and in the political sphere of her country. Um, She goes and helps... She goes with her troops sometimes, too, barring, barring that she isn't pregnant. Um, yeah. Because they have another kid, too. But she, you know, has real power, and she uses it for, again, the betterment.
1: Of her own country. Of her own country. Yeah.
0: Um, we've already talked about the Battle of Actium on the podcast, so I'm not going to go into detail there. Um. And, you know, in her death and Mark Anthony's death. But I just wanted to highlight the fact that her death was also her choice. She committed suicide because she knew that if, octavian you know augustus took her back to rome again that she would also be forced to walk in his triumph just like her sister had done so she she would she chose death rather than shame right exactly and wow and that isn't you know the legacy that she wanted to leave for herself and for her children i believe her children did walk in the triumph wow and they had like her kind of coffin there Yep. Is it true that she ended up dying by snake bite? <laughs> That's one of the so I want to say no. I want to say no. You want to say no, but it's possible. <laughs> it's possible they found there were no snakes actually there again this is another tale from plutarch that was kind of exploded
1: fanciful
0: very fanciful did they find a prick yes it was very likely poison again she knew things she was very smart um Mm -hmm. it was likely that she pricked herself and and poisoned herself Oh, okay very unlikely that a walk because i think because it's an asp apparently there was this basket of um apples or something and, and one of her handmaidens came in and snuck it in because there were guards there and oh i'm just bringing her fruit and somehow a a, a huge asp was in there and when it <laughs> you know it got out and it bit her and it bit the other two and then everyone came in and they were all and dead. And they were all dead. Like, Meh, No.
1: That sounds a little extravagant. Yeah, but yes. what a story. <laughs> well, that's just it. Yes. Lots so of So Plutarch stories. cared a lot more about making a fun story than he did about necessarily portraying the truth.
0: Yes. He, I would say a story, but also just who he was. He had a lot of political, I don't want to say baggage, mm-hmm. but I just want to say that he had reason to Paint her in this really bad light, Mm -hmm. Um, and same with the other writers who also did the same. It, yeah, I mean, stories sell more books, (laughs) or books better stories sell more books. But also, you know, they didn't want women in Rome to feel like they had this much power that they had this much agency and say
1: because of. So here was this example, here was this example of this woman who was so capable, so practical, and. Uh, and that frightened them. That did, and so that's yeah. also why, you know, I, or I feel that they overly
0: sexualized her too. Oh, she yeah. couldn't be smart enough to actually come up with these political
1: deals. She must have seduced them. She well, must have been beautiful. This, this why else is, would they want to yeah, do really. business with her? Why Thanks. else would anyone want to have sex with a woman unless she's pretty? Am I right? Yeah. So sorry. I that I that was entirely sarcastic and a little bit bitter. Um, <laughs> One of the things that I think is so interesting about the Queen of Wands, though, is that her sexiness actually comes from her intelligence. Mm -hmm, Which is what I feel like it is here
0: in her case. Because even when we see, I haven't even talked about her iconography. Again, there's no way I can talk about everything. Mm -hmm. But she, you know, she had a big crooked nose and we've (laughs) seen images of her. She probably wasn't as, quote unquote, beautiful as we would, you know, later believe her to be yeah was, like, like big she, she was and... she was no
1: queen of cups no she was no queen of cups she, was... but she doesn't need to be and, yeah. and
0: you don't need to be yeah and i think
1: that's the whole point there's different the kinds of, of, of power you know like uh physical beauty is a form of is a form of female power but there are other forms of power as mm-hmm. well and the queen of wands or cleopatra she didn't need to have that she didn't need to be overly beautiful in order to be powerful and that's she the didn't. way they portrayed her that's the way she's because, been portrayed in media over the and men over again.
0: Believe that that's the only way. Yeah. The only way that she can have this power. We're, we're constantly being
1: told that. that the only way we can be powerful as women is by being beautiful and sexy. And guess what? Cleopatra was sexy, but because mm. she was smart. Yeah. She was <laughs> smart. She but was also, clever. You don't she... need to be sexy. Like yeah. Who cares? That's exactly it. Like she ha- you know, she
0: Like being sexy didn't feed her, you know, starving people. Exactly. She
1: fed her yeah. starving people with her own ingenuity. So Yeah. Anyhow. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> so uh that is the Queen of Wands. Um an, an Enigma of a Woman, if you will. Oh, I forgot to play the thunder thunder That's sound okay. effect. One second. I got it. I got it over here. There we go. That's how we feel about the portrayals of Cleopatra.
0: Yes, we are are unimpressed. Um, But I did find the book, sorry, that I did want to mention that if you do want to read more about her um, and her life, there's two really good ones. The first one um, that I in particular really like um, doing, uh oh, I want to get it bigger so I can see it. Um, is by Dwayne Roller. It's called Cleopatra, A Biography. The reason I like this one is because it actually, it goes through her life, but it also explains which sources they're getting their information from. Oh, that's To good. me, that, yeah. <laughs> as, you know, a classist, that is very important. I want to know where you're getting things from. Again, it's because of, sorry, but shit like Plutarch. I want to know, okay, did this actually happen or is this probably an exaggeration? You know, that sort of thing whereas um stacy Schiff, is that how i say her name um her book cleopatra life i'll put post this on our show notes is another wonderful book but it reads more like a novel so Mm -hmm. it they don't say where, where the sources are. They just kind of goes through her life. And I've recommended this book to other people and they've read so them. So this
1: one reads maybe a little easier? This one easier. reads easier. Yeah, it and goes, I've, and goes I've, down
0: easy. It does. And i yeah. recommended both and I have I had someone respond and say that they prefer this one, Cleopatra, A Life, because it just it, it just flows a lot easier. For me, I like the other one just because it, it gives me the sources. But that's just my um, biased opinion.
1: Which you're allowed to have because you yeah. have literally taught a course on Cleopatra mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yes. uh, well assisted helped. assisted with teaching a course <laughs> yeah. a university yeah. course on Cleopatra I think that qualifies you okay. Thank <laughs> to recommend a book <laughs> or two <whatever. laughs> or two or several yeah, yeah.
0: okay uh, we have gone way over and I appreciate all you guys if you are still listening yes <laughs> to our ramblings um, yeah <laughs> our our, pa- our r- impassioned uh, our impassionate yeah razzles, I really wanted to do yeah. her justice by kind of giving as much background and detail as possible
1: well i feel like i know a lot more about cleopatra than i did Wonderful. an hour Here ago <laughs> for sure um yes so if you liked our, our show please let us know um Indeed. we have our very last episode for the the tarot, the tarot. yeah next next time Ooh. next time with the king of wands it's exciting yeah the very last card of the whole tarot deck so we're very excited to share that Mm -hmm. with you as well um all right are we ready for some words of wisdom i think so go for it okay so words of wisdom today come from the american tarot association on the queen of wands if people call on your strength then be ready to give it if people ask your guidance do not hesitate to speak your mind engage tough issues with all your might And do not relent until the day is won. Myth and tarot. Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, wands, and symbols. And all of the above. Myth, tarot, love.